All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 138 of the DFO Rundown, brought to you by Three Ice, the 100% three-on-three hockey league launching this summer. It's basically overtime all the time, led by six Hall of Famers, Guy Carboneau, Grant Fuhr, Larry Murphy, John LeClaire, Joe Mullen, and Brian Trache. Three Ice will be hitting eight cities over nine weeks, including two stops in Canada, London, Ontario on July 16th, and in Quebec City on July 30th. Get your tickets at Three Ice. That's the number three, threeice.com. Three Ice, the best part of hockey. I'm Jason Greger in Montreal, and uh, Frank is in Denver, Colorado. Frankie, how you doing? I am good. Uh, feels like a long wait from now until game two, the double off day, the only double off day feels like we've had in these playoffs. Definitely the only one on the schedule in this series. It's going to be every other day going here on in. And just, it's, it's odd to have a second day off. Do you think it benefits either team? I don't know. I I think, you know, Tampa's so good at making adjustments and they're so good at bouncing back that I don't know that they needed the extra day. So my answer is no. I think Colorado is pretty happy with how they played. Um, I think, you know, when you look at, at game one, Jay, do you think Colorado took their foot off the gas a little bit, or do you think it was more just Tampa waking up? 
I think it was a little bit Tampa Bay kind of got overwhelmed in the first period and, you know, they, they all admitted it. And then I think they kind of woke up, which is somewhat symbolic of what they've been. It's different times in, in some series, you know, against the Maple Leafs it took them a while to wake up uh, even against the New York Rangers, maybe after all well, the first two games. Right. And so it, it looked like they found their game, obviously bounced back in the second period. And, you know, you get to overtime, anything can happen, but um you know, it, it's hard to count out. Like we just watched the golden state warriors, you know, they lose game one, they're down two to one. Then they win three straight. Like it's teams who know how to win. They don't seem to panic. And I fully expect Tampa Bay to come back with a heck of a performance in game two. Yeah, I, I agree. I think everyone does. And that's the, the funny thing about how well the abs played in game one to start to then have Tampa almost pull it out in overtime. Like we'd be sitting here talking today about what a missed opportunity it was for the abs. So I don't think Tampa leaves that game. Yeah. They know they didn't play their best. You know, John Cooper used the phrase by a country mile, but to think that they were still that close after not playing their best has to make them feel pretty good heading into game two, that they can at least compete. Uh, did you see Nazem Kadri shoot a puck? Uh, so I didn't see him shoot a puck. I saw him do more puck work and more stick handling, but I didn't see him shoot a puck. No. Yeah. So like until I see him shoot a puck, it's hard to think he can play. Right. I would. Yeah. And I would think, you know, as this series goes on this double off day, if it benefits anyone, maybe him just another extra day to rest, to work on things. Um, I have a feeling this is going to be a long series. Like I, I think this is going seven. Um, We'll see. I, I think it's a long shot, though, still. But obviously, the fact that he now has a stick in his hand, improvement and a development. Now, Frank, I'm here in Montreal. I'm, I'm here for F1. Um, I know you've traveled around. So something happened to me uh, yesterday. It's never happened in my life. So we get in the cab and I've been in Montreal lots. And it's funny, like they have a freeway that turns out that's 70 kilometers because I'm riding in the back of our cab. There's four of us. We had a van cab and we're going down. You know how they have the uh, like the. Um, the passenger lane or whatever carpooling lane. So our cabbie ends up in the carpooling lane, which is only one. There's a massive um, cement barrier. Then the other freeway, two lanes on the other side. And we're driving along and we're passing people. Some are passing us. No big deal. We get pulled over. He's going 131 in a 70 zone. He got a $1,246 ticket. And I was like, I didn't think we're going that fast, but I'm on the freeway. I'm like, what kind of freeway? 70 kilometers. So whew, I have to say, buddy, I tipped them 50 bucks because I felt bad. <laughs> well, I was going to say the all important question is, did the meter keep running while you were pulled over? No, it didn't. He stopped it. And that was the other thing. I was like, dude, like the cop was just taking a sweet ass time. I was like, we were in there for like 20 minutes. So I'm like, what is going on? But I've never seen like a, uh, like obviously when I, I, I found out afterwards, one thirty-one. So, but I will say this, when we first got into the cab, the first two blocks, I thought it was in a New York cab. Like, you know how they're just, they go mock six down the tightest streets. I was like, this guy's in a real hurry. And so I guess when he got a one thirty-one and a 70, but that's uh that's an eye opener, buddy. It's like we're in Finland there for a second. I was going to say, we don't have tickets like that. Like you can't, you can't get a $1,247 ticket or whatever it was. No, you can't. Like, what happens if you're going 130 in a 70 zone? You just, you lose your license for a year. Like, well, you have you to go to court and fight it, but, like, the fine is probably only 150 or $250. Oh, uh, well, that's because, so not, so the cop told him 
that if he didn't have people in the van, he would have told his, he would have, you know, just impounded his vehicle right there. And uh, he also gets 14 demerit points. Now, my understanding is because when I was when I was 18, I lost my license for speeding tickets. I lost it for 30 days. Um, and Why am I not shocked by that? Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, a young guy likes to speed. And um, so I, I didn't have a license for 30 days because you have to if you get 15 demerits. And then I had to go take some defensive driving course. But I'm like, this guy got 14 and one. Like his first question to the cop was, how many points is that? So clearly, I don't think it's his first time getting uh, dinged, but uh, perhaps yeah, so he you, shouldn't be uh, like transporting passengers. This guy. <laughs> no. Well, I was just so I'm recommending for anybody who's coming into the draft in Montreal in a few weeks might want to uh, be leery of who you're getting into the cab when you get out of there. So might want to just yeah get an Uber with a driver who has a rating. <laughs> uh-huh. You know what's funny? I, I've yet to download Uber on my phone. I'm still old school guy. I like a cab because I'll say this. The cab rate is always the same. Uber, when it's at high time, they bend you over. So I've never been an Uber guy. That's fair. I just like the convenience of also knowing and being able to get one wherever you are, like seeing the person come to you on the map, you at least know someone's coming to pick you up. I don't know. And I, I mean, I use Uber all the time while I'm traveling on the road. Oh, I would think so. Yeah. So I just, uh, coming to Montreal, I will say, man, that the city's fired up for, uh, for F1 and uh, everywhere around people are also talking about the, uh, the draft. They're all wondering uh, who the Habs are going to take. It's, uh, you know, I know we still got the Stanley cup going on, but with the, the other 30 teams, uh, you know, I, I saw your articles on, on free agency and, uh, and then the draft and potential buyouts, like the next three weeks, man, are some of the best three weeks really for the NHL. Yeah. What'd you think of the, of Denny Dadenoff trade for Shea Weber's contract? Well, I get it. You know, it, it makes sense, right? Uh, Montreal gets a player. Tampa, uh, Vegas is in uh, in huge. Like they, I, I'd written the, the article the other day about teams and, and their top money makers and for their top six guys. And you know, Shea Weber was still right up there for Montreal, and it was just dead cap space, right? So um, they get rid of that. Uh, Vegas is going to be an LTIR all season long. Right. Like you look at Tampa Bay when they acquired Brent Seabrook. Right. Like it's um, if, if you want to compete, I expect them to go right to the to the limit. And they're they can maximize Shea Weber's contract. Right. Because they, they're in Vegas is so close that they go into LTI. They'll know what their cap is when the season starts. So I understand why uh, you would do it. You obviously have an owner who's willing to pay. My question to you, Frank, is because I know Oscar Clefbaum's contract isn't insured. How much is Shea Weber's is? I'm pretty sure a, a large percentage yes. of it. Um, I don't know the exact figure. Sometimes that stuff is hard to find, but typically the most that you can insure is 80%. And yeah. I think in this case, it's probably something close to that. Um, I love this trade for Montreal. Like I think this is some wizardry by Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon to find a player that they feel is useful. That maybe even if their team isn't that competitive this year, you now have an asset that you can flip later, whether it's before the deadline or what have you think about how the Donoff played after that yes. trade was voided last year, 16 points in 16 games to close out the regular season. I was so impressed with his mental toughness to block that out. And I think it's a shame that Vegas sort of circled him again, you know, and I get there's maybe some awkward feelings there, but you know, to circle him again after he, you know, performed that way to close out the season, it was like, okay, I guess we really know what the Vegas Golden Knights think of this guy. So Dodonoff, the Canadians get a player that they can use. 
for a guy that they were never going to have play again. That was also hamming up their cap situation. Cause if you have the choice, you don't want to be operating in LTIR. You're not accruing cap space. You're acquiring the full cap hit at the deadline. It just makes everything that you want to try and accomplish difficult. The tough part for the Canadians is will carry price ultimately end up being on LTIR as well. So that's going to be a big, you know, obviously a big factor, not just for this season, but also for the Montreal Canadiens future. If Carey Price can't play this season and he can't play beyond, well, not only do they have some money to spend, but perhaps more importantly, they, they have to find a way to replace him. Well, and that's the challenge. You, you look at, look at the free agent market. There are some good goalies out there. There's no question about it, but um, having, having looked at the goalie position a lot, Frank, from year to year, like there's just, you know, you look at free agency, well, you know, we'll see what Darcy Kemper, like he's been good in Colorado, but, but he hasn't been, you know, lot, like he was good, really good when he came back off that injury, right. Uh, in the middle of the season, that's when, that's when he had his best stretch of the year. But you know what? I, I thought he was okay in, in game one. He wasn't great. He wasn't, uh, it wasn't great in the games against the Edmonton orders that he played either. So um, I'm, I'm, I don't know where you, like, it's hard to find a really consistent goalie. You can, you can hit the jackpot. You could, Billy Huso might be the best free agent signing, but you don't know. Like it's, it's interesting when you look at the numbers, just, just pure numbers of saves and wins and expected save percentage, adjusted save percentage, save percentage for value. The last few years, Mike Smith at 2 million has actually been pretty good just for value, right. For getting the return, right. Like you look at J- Jacob Markstrom had an unreal regular season, but then really kind of got outplayed by a 40 year old Mike Smith. So you never know with goaltenders, right? Like Edmonton's got to find a goalie. You, you look at, um, I think uh, St. Louis, what are they going to do with Billy Huso? I think they really liked him, but they probably can't afford him. So now he's going to go, what if Colorado loses? Do they resign Kemper? Do they look for a different goaltender? Like the, the goaltending carousel. And now you throw in Montreal, Frank, it's, there's so much uncertainty and it's, it's probably the most fascinating position every year because teams are always looking to upgrade their goaltending, unless you have a Vasilevsky and a few other select guys. Yeah. And, and I'll go through the list. Cause I've actually done the homework on what the goaltending market looks like. There's a lot of teams, as you mentioned, looking for one, you hit on Edmonton already, but what about the Washington capitals? We know they were looking for goaltending at the deadline, Toronto, what are they doing with Jack Campbell? Is he going to walk as an unrestricted free agent? New Jersey made some waves at the deadline. They're moving on, or at least it seems like they're moving on from Mackenzie Blackwood. You know, what does that mean for their, their spot moving forward? Minnesota wild. Do they try and bring Mark Andre Fleury back to play in tandem with Cam Talbot? You've got Vegas, Robin Leonard, uh, Logan Thompson. Like what is Leonard's status moving forward? What an awkward way to end last season with the surgery and the injury and Pete DeBoer, you know, criticizing him saying he's healthy and quote, well-rested. Like that was really strange to see that play out. So that's Vegas. Um, you've got Colorado, as you mentioned, the flyers are looking for someone to play with Carter Hart. Uh, the penguins are looking for someone to play with Tristan Jari. And then, um, yeah, I think that kind of sizes up most of the market. Well, yeah. And you look at Vegas also has Brassois as their backup for one more year, 2.3 million. So, you know, maybe, maybe they move him out, right. Because they want Thompson to play. Um, they might, might have to help a team get a backup, but it's uh, maybe they go Thompson and Brassois. Yeah. What about mean, Buffalo? Right. Are they bringing Craig Anderson back? No, Buffalo's looking for someone I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah. So 
Uh, it's fascinating. There's like, what does Ottawa do with Matt Murray? Like <laughs> he's on the buyout list. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, it's going to be, it's, it's always entertaining. Like now, obviously folks on the Stanley cup, it's funny that one extra day off Frank seems like forever right now. Right. Like if, if the game was tonight, it would be much better. It, buddy. Yeah. And so it is good after this, you want to get going because it's for, for 30 of the team, 30 fan bases, Right now they're like, yeah, the cup's nice, but let's get to the off season. Let's get to the draft. Let's get to buyouts and free agency. And, and that's why like the next three weeks I look at it. Um, it's pretty intriguing to me. The one thing though, Frank, I, I don't know if you saw the article I wrote this week about, cause I, I read a lot of people talk about, well, Tampa Bay. And the reason they win is because they, they have this, you know, their state tax and they benefit from it. I think it's important to know that when Hedman was signed, top three highest paid defensemen, Vasilevsky, top three goaltenders, Kucherov, Stamkos were top five contracts at their position. And I, I, I should even say higher because I'm including some center icemen in there. I was just saying top five forwards, but if you go top wingers and they're top three, they didn't get a massive discount when they signed their best guys, right? They, they didn't get a massive discount. It's sure that those players benefit, but if you look at Tampa Bay at the time of their signings, it wasn't like, these guys were taking huge. Oh, now we're going to be the 10th and 15th highest paid guy at their position. They still, they still got big time money. And the only team, if you throw in Ryan McDonough um, with the top five in Tampa, the top five. So basically you're starting six, a goalie, two defensemen and three forwards and your top six contracts. Tampa Bay has the second highest combined of any team in the league. The only one higher is Toronto. And that's because they have three forwards make it 33 million bucks. Like, so I think Tampa sometimes too often people go to the lazy, wow, they got the state tax. They draft and developed incredibly well. And then they fill in their depth guys, but they didn't get huge discounts. If you look at the timing of when they signed their top guys. It, I mean, I, I understand the Vasilevsky and Hedman ones, but Kucherov, when he signed, that was not a top five contract. He signed in 2018. That was a full four years after Kane and Taves were already broken $10 million mark. Yeah. And there was Kane Taves and they're on top at, at forward position. There was Kane Taves. Connor McDavid, McDavid was already in the, in the twelves. Yeah. There was a bunch of 10. No, are you Jack sure that Eichel, was it? Jack Eichel came after, right? Barkoff came after. If you look at the guys who are making 10 million, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, all after. Right, yeah, I, I guess I hadn't looked at it from that perspective, but when you look now, there's, I don't know, 14 players yeah. that have, have broken that $10 million mark. Not all of them are forwards, obviously, but so you're saying they all came after Kucherov who was in 2018. Yeah. Well, not all of them. He's top five amongst forwards. McDavid was before him. Kane and Taves were before him. And there's one other, I can't remember who it was. Got it. Right? Yeah. Even even Stamkos, when he signed, right, back in 8.5 million, was in 2016. That was a top five one, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's still such a huge benefit, though, the state tax. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but it's enabled them to be competitive in a way that's, that's really important, not just for signing the top guys, but for signing the guys in the middle. Like, if you go to Andre Palat now this summer and you say, okay, you may be able to go sign for seven here, but if you sign for five and a half here, it might equal seven there, whatever the math is. Yeah. Yeah. That's possible. Right. Like if, if, you know, for middle tier guys, but what they do better, Frank, than any other team is their draft and develop. They draft develop, but they also, you look at their team, none of their best guys are like, Oh, it's a bad contract. 
right? Ryan McDonough is a great contract, but they don't. So, and when they signed them, they were still highly competitive contracts. Like you look at like the simple one. They just moved on from other guys that haven't, you know, haven't fit their current salary cap picture. Like they picked a Tyler Johnson to say, Hey, look, you know, thank you for your service and and helping us win cups, but we're going to go in a different direction now. And you're going to Chicago. Yanni Gord, really good player. They like him, but you know, Blake Coleman, they, they didn't need to pay Blake Coleman four and a half million when they had him. He was 1.5, right? They pick up. That's, guys that's the really players. the hardest thing to do. I believe as a GM, well, two, two parts of it. One is if you have really strong players to then find the complementary pieces that support them. And two, once you have them, it's properly making those decisions along the way as you're managing your cap to then say, this person's going to be back. This person's moving on. And one team that was really good at it for a long time. And then the decision-making process and age, frankly, caught up with them was the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, think back to their 2010 cup, for instance, all the guys that didn't end up coming back from that team, Dustin Bufflin and, you know, Dave Bull and go down the list, all these guys that signed for mega money elsewhere. They were like, we can't afford them for one. And two, we don't know that these are necessarily the guys that we want to pay long-term in order to keep. Well, you, you look at it, Frank, it's, it's because in Chicago, they had their best guys, Seabrook, Keith, Taves, Hosa, Sharp, and Kane, and they kept them and they filled in. And that's what Tampa's done. Tampa's been able to, and they pay their big guys. As I mentioned, their top six in Tampa has the second highest, the second highest, combined cap hit of any team in the NHL. So there's, so even though they have the state tax, they're still paying their best guys more than any other teams paying their best guys. But the difference is Tampa Bay gets arguably the best return on their investment from their top guys. Uh, yep. And it's interesting. Cause I think not, I think I know I've talked to a couple of teams this summer that have already looked at the lightning and their cap situation and said, what's one thing you notice about this team? I say, well, what's that? They said, not anyone makes more than nine and a half. And a lot of teams are using that as a guidepost. Now there's still, uh, I'd have to go back and double check. I don't think that there's been anyone yet that's played on a team that won the cup that has a double digit salary. Cap. Yeah, I know. And I looked at that, but that's why I use Tampa's top six. They're second in the league. Um, they got three guys at 9.5. If one of them made 10 and it was a half a million dollars more, would it really be that big of a difference? No, it wouldn't. But he, here's the difference is when you have three or four guys making nine and a half, that half million on each four of them adds up to two. And that's, that's important because that's a chunk of a, a defenseman. That's a, a chunk of your, you know, your third line center, like all that stuff adds up. Like I know people poo poo it and say, Oh, like, you know, nine and a half, 10, 10 and a half. What's the difference? What are we talking about? It, it's making your team stronger throughout. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, and, and Tampa's top six is at 51 million right now. And uh, they have been for a few years, the last two cups. And, they, and the crazy thing is Frank, win or lose this cup. They're all coming back. Like that's, if they win, they could literally go for four, which is crazy to think. I thought well, three was ridiculous. Certain people are going to have to walk, right? Like Nick Paul, they're probably not going to be able to afford to keep it. Right? Yeah, but they're but they they've gone kind of through Goudreau, Yanni Gord, Nick Paul. Like they find those guys every year. That's and they got Hagel on that cheap deal yep. that they're going to be able to keep. So mm-hmm. that plus you you have a window and an opening. I would think to keep a lot, right? If they want him, hundred percent. Yeah, I think he'll take less for sure. Let's bring wouldn't, in. Uh, wouldn't you want him? By the way, 
you, you have to want a lot back. Oh, of course. He's got this over their Stanley Cup runs, Frank. He's got the second most goals in the team behind uh, behind Braden Boyd in the postseason. Yeah, he's a big-time producer still. So, And uh, you probably get him at four mil. Good for them. Let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk for a Friday edition of Buy or Sell. Yes, a Friday edition of Buy or Sell delivered by our friends over at DoorDash. Ding dong. 25% off, no delivery fees with the promo code RUNDOWNDD. It's been two months and Frank still giggles every time I play the Liam Ding Dong sound. Yes, I do. Consistency. Uh, let's jump into the trade market here on Buy or Sell, starting with a little goalie talk. You guys dove into it earlier in the show, but John Gibson, I'm going to say he's not moved. He'll still be an Anaheim Duck at the start of next season. Frank, you buying or selling? I'm buying that. Uh I know they're going to try. I know that Gibson has reportedly asked for a trade. Um, I just think it's a difficult contract to move with the term on it and with the dollars on it for a guy that's been very average over the last three years. I know some people will look at that and say, well, the team was very average as well or below average. I just, I don't know that anyone's willing to sign up for that term, let alone give up a quality piece to get it. I, uh, I'm on team chaos this summer, so I'm selling and I'm saying, yes, he's going to get uh, dealt, but I agree with you, Frank, it's a tough deal to sign, especially when you look at his expected save and not just save percentage and adjusted save numbers. They haven't been great, but I think teams are desperate uh, every year. So they'll look and there, there might be some salary retention, but I think it gets me. You, you teased this a little bit, Frank, but I'm going to say Evgeny Dadnov will not be a Canadian after next year's trade deadline. I think they're going to keep him. They're going to flip him at the deadline and they'll probably even get like a second rounder for him. I think this is a great trade, but Dadnov will be moved before the deadline by herself, Frank. Bye. We are in lockstep today, Tyler. Good, good. I like this. Jay? Oh, yeah. Buying all day long, man. I, I don't see the Habs being a playoff team. Fair enough. Bruce Cassidy, new head coach out in Vegas. He's a good coach. I think that team is ripe for a bounce back. And when I hear a bounce back team and a good head coach, Jack Adams, Bruce Cassidy, Jack Adams, finalist next year, buying or selling Jay. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Well, the odds, it's easy for me to sell just because it's one out of 32. Um, but you, the situation seems to be there for a team that might bounce back, but uh, I am going to sell. And I will say no, he does not win. I'm going to sell as well. And I'm going to say the Vegas Golden Knights don't make the playoffs again. Oh, oh, I got a, I got a horn for that. Look at that hot take coming in from Frank. Wow. Vegas. I mean, the playoffs again. we just talked about their goaltending. So if they're, t I'm just, yeah, like, who fair. knows what happens with Robin Leonard. Okay. Is he able to, is he able to stay healthy? Mm -hmm. Then the next thing is, if he isn't and you're going into the, the season with Thompson and Brassois, what do you, yeah. are you making the playoffs with that goaltending? Hmm. Maybe, but I, I would bet against it. All right. Wrapping it up with the points bet bonus question for our friends over at points bet Canada. Right now, the Tampa Bay lightning are plus two thirty to win the Stanley cup. That means the sports books are giving them implied odds of about 30% of winning this series. I want to ask you, what's the percentage chance the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup? Jason, I'll flip it and come to you first. I So they're giving them 30% chance. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I'm still going to say 50, man. Like They're the champs. And, and, and tell their dad, like they just came back to nothing in the conference final. Uh, I, I will say they're at least 50%. Maybe I might even still, I know it sounds crazy. They're down on one. I'll say, 50, I'll say 50%. 
I was going to say, you can't go beyond 50% because <laughs> they're still down one game. And I know. the abs are still a really good team. I'm going to say like 45, okay. like just because I think you have to account for that. I really like the lightning and their ability to bounce back. I think they managed Colorado really well to close out game one. Obviously they're not going to be rattled. I statistically though, what the sports books are saying is exactly what the odds are for any team in any series in NHL history. That's lost game one. It's 70% on the dot that the team that wins game one wins the series. Hmm. Interesting. All right. That's going to do it for another edition of buyer sale delivered by our friends at DoorDash. Ding dong. Frank, uh, this week, uh, I know uh, as I was on route here to uh, Montreal, you uh, sat down with uh, legendary uh, Montreal Canadian Dallas Stars and uh, Guy Carbonneau to talk some uh, some hockey uh, currently and uh, a new league and much more. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Our next guest has his name etched on the Stanley Cup three times. He's also a three-time Selkie Trophy winner and a 2019 inductee into the Hockey Hall of Fame. The DFO Rundown is pleased to welcome Guy Carboneau. Guy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. Yeah, great to have you alongside. And uh, wanted to start by asking about Three Ice, your new endeavor that you're involved in. Inaugural weekend on tap this weekend in Vegas. There are two stops in Canada. Uh, throughout this nine-week tour, three-on-three hockey. It's basically overtime hockey all the time. How did you get involved, and uh, and what's your excitement level for being part of it? Well, the level is really high. I think it started three years ago when uh, Craig and EJ uh, started to put uh, this uh, story together. Uh, I think he was looking for coaches, uh, and uh, – I think everybody was kind of a little bit nervous at the beginning because uh, nobody really knew what was going to happen and how far uh, they were willing to go. But I think, you know, obviously COVID kind of delayed everything about for about two years. But uh, last month, everybody was in uh, Vegas for a little uh, mini camp to see what kind of players that we had. 
what the format would be looking uh, at, like, you know, what we'd be looking at. And, and I think everybody was just really excited. Um, I was kind of blown away. I think everybody kind of saw what three on three is in the NHL and the American League and junior. Uh, I think everybody at one point in their career kind of played a little bit of their three on three. But this is like a different format, uh, you know, having just two periods of eight minutes. Uh, it's it's pretty quick. I was pretty impressed with uh, what the, all the players that were there kind of brought in. Uh, you know, some of the guys had the chance to skate uh, often, but some of the guys didn't have that chance, obviously, with, with uh, what happened the last two years. But uh, I think now everybody's ready. Everybody's kind of waiting for, you know, uh, Saturday to start and uh, everybody's really excited. Uh, I, I think it's going to be uh, an awesome event uh, every weekend. Uh, I think more and more, I think every week we'll see a little change uh, because I think we're all, we're all the same. I think, you know, coaches and players uh, have an idea what's going to happen, but, you know, strategies wise, uh, I think we'll change it every week because we'll see and decide on, on different things. So uh, I'm, uh, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, and it's really cool for the players, too. They obviously have some skin in the game. The more success you have, the more money you end up putting in your pocket. But you mentioned strategy, and I wanted to ask you about just the coaching aspect of it and being connected with you know a few other guys that are also members of the Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, distinguished careers in their own right. Um, you know, How much actual coaching will, will be done in, this, in the three ice? Well, I think, you know... I think there will be some coaching, uh, but like I said, I, I think the first week or two weeks uh, will be in the air. Like, you know, I, I think we all have what we look, what we want on the ice. I think most of the guys, most of the coaches drafted a, a couple of defensemen, you know, some forwards with speed. Uh, you know, there's maybe, you know, you definitely a goal. You, you want a goalie that can move the puck and be able to play the puck. Uh, I think that's going to be important, but you know, um, as it goes, I mean, we'll see plays that maybe works and some that don't work, and then we'll kind of work on those things. Uh, but like I said, like you said, like at, at the start, I think it's more to get the guys motivated and, and willing to kind of put the effort every game. I hear three ice, three on three, and I'm thinking offense all the time, right? Nonstop back yeah. and forth. And then I hear Guy Carbono and I go, hold up, three times Selkie winner. Is he going to stand for a lot of back and forth, not a lot of defense? Can you see the itch to get some structure and defense into your team's game playing into things maybe a little bit earlier than expected? Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I won three Selkies, but I, in, in junior, I had 182 points. And, and in the American League, I was in the top 10 in scoring the last you know, two years that I played there. So it's not, it's not like I didn't have any offense and I don't believe in offense. I think I do. Uh, and, and, but, you know, like in every, in every structure, uh, you're going to have to play, you know, on 16 minutes of game, game time, you're not going to have the puck on your stick all the time. So there's little things that you can, you know, help the players, uh, you know, positioning. Uh, obviously, like I said earlier, uh, goalies is going to be a huge part of it because they're going to be involved a lot, uh, you know, stopping the puck and then playing the puck after goals or after, you know, after a stop. So uh, those things I think I could bring. Switching gears a little bit to uh, the Stanley Cup final we're seeing this year in, in the NHL. Uh, what have been your impressions of game one? It was a wild game one. What have you thought yeah. about the juggernaut matchup between the Lightning and the Avs? Well, you know, if you, if you go back to maybe, you know, 
bunch of weeks and when, when the playoffs started, it, it, what's amazing now, I think, uh, and, and it comes with the format that the NHL decide, you know, in my days, uh, if you were the best team in the NHL, you used to play the 16 teams, which gives you a little advantage uh, to, to keep going in the playoffs. Now, the way that the, the format is, you know, in the first round, you can play uh, some really, really, really good teams uh, and be knocked out. Um, and then we saw that again this year, but like the exciting ex excitement is right there. I think if you ask most of the people uh, that follow hockey, uh, Tampa Bay and Colorado, and you know, Colorado would probably be in the final. Uh, on the other side, everybody had Tampa or Florida, but uh, they're two really, really good teams. Uh, one, you know, wants to make an impression. The other wants to make a, you know, a, th a third Stanley Cup, which is unbelievable at that's that in this age. He, being back behind the bench again, you were head coach of the Montreal Canadiens for three seasons. Do you miss coaching? Do you get the itch at all? I, I do. Um, and I think not, nothing, I think playing, you know, for almost 20 years was, was not easy. Coaching is not easy. It's doesn't get any easier now because of the, you know, they, they make more, more money, which is good. Uh, but there's a lot of pressure from the GMs and the, the owners. Now everybody wants to win. Uh, everybody's getting paid a lot of money. Uh, that long hours, um, those, you know, showing to the rink and looking at the tapes and trying to figure out, you know, strategies to, uh, to win the game. That's the part I miss, uh, the interaction with the players every day. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm quite happy with the life I have now. You know, I have a chance to stay connected with RDS, you know, watching hockey games, working on a little bit on TV. Uh, so, uh, but I, you know, I, I've said this all along. Like, I've, if somebody would have called or would call, I would definitely listen. So, Guy, when you're not in front of the camera uh, on RDS, what, what are you, how do you fill your days? Uh, you know... Obviously, in the summer, uh, I'm a golfer, so I, uh, I play a lot of golf. Uh, I just bought a property in Florida, so uh, in the winter, I'm going to spend a couple of weeks a month there uh, trying to get prepared for my retirement, <laughs> which I'm, I hopefully, hopefully it's not coming soon. But no, I, I think, you know, I, I enjoy still watching hockey games and, and talk about it on TV. So, uh, you know, and, and we do some of the promotions, uh, you know, I, I, once in a while I go to the bell center, watch uh, Canadian play different teams. We're trying to stay busy. You, you mentioned uh, getting a chance to, you know, the itch to kind of coach again and prep and things like that has getting a chance to do this in a totally different way with three ice. Has that sort of reignited the love for it even more maybe because it's just so much different than maybe a traditional coaching job. Well, definitely. And I think everybody was, like I said earlier, like when, when EJ and Craig called uh, about three years ago, like everybody was kind of, you know, was waiting to see where this thing was going to go. Uh, I think everybody's excited. We, like I said, we, we, we met all together. We talked to each other on, on Zoom, but, you know, never had a chance really to kind of get together and talk about, uh, but I think everybody was excited in Vegas. Uh, you know, when, when we saw, because we did like a, a recreation of the format that we we're going to have. So, you know, six teams, everybody's playing and then keep going and everybody saw the potential of these things. So everybody's kind of excited. Like, well, we all, Joe, I think, I mean, you know, 
Uh, Brian Trotty was behind the bench at one point. Joe Mullen was behind the bench, but uh, John LeClaire, Grant Shure, and Larry Murphy were not. So, uh, you know, to some of those guys, it's uh, it's a different challenge, but it's uh, everybody's excited. I meant to ask this earlier, but what was the draft process like for all of this? Was it a straight up, everyone sat in a room with a list and did their thing? Who was your first overall pick? Take us through that. Uh, uh, the uh, Like I said, like the first day we showed up there, there was probably around 50 to 60 players that, that uh, came to, to Vegas. So they had a chance to go on the ice and kind of warm up a little bit and try different things and just kind of have a feel. And then the next day, uh, we... Craig and EJ made six teams, uh, six players and one goalie. And we each had a coach one. And then we went through the process. So we had the three games, you know, with six teams. The three winners kept going with the, the team that scored the most goals and then just kept going to see how the format would look. And I think everybody was kind of impressed. We were able to take notes on, you know, on players and things like that. And then the next morning, uh, just the coaches and EJ and Craig and, and the people in the room, uh, we had a, a draw. Um, I was the first pick and I picked Evan Pelusha. So, uh, you know, I, I, we had Aaron in, uh, in Montreal years ago and uh, I know he's uh, excited to, to play in this league. I know he can play, he's fast and he can score. Uh, and I think everybody kind of, you know, the, most of the guys that we we had a chance to see, some of them we did. Aaron wasn't there, so I kind of went on reputation. Uh, but uh, everybody had their, you know, had their ideas of, of how they wanted to build a team. And now uh, we just have to kind of make them perform every weekend. There are also some really cool connections. I saw Joe Mullen will have a chance to coach his son, Patrick, which will be fun. Um, Guy, I wanted to ask, there's nine weekends, nine Saturday nights, and it's in eight different cities. Starts in Vegas, ends in Vegas. Along the way, you'll get to Denver, Grand Rapids, Hershey, London, Ontario on July 16th, Pittsburgh, Quebec City, Nashville, and back to Vegas. So of those stops, where are you most excited? I think it's going to be Quebec. Uh, obviously, like, you know, Quebec, London, um, you know, I, I think I know we have all the games on TV. Uh, hopefully uh, most of the, the rinks that we're going to play, uh, they're going to have a chance to fill it out. I don't know if it's going to happen. I hope it does because uh, it, it gets the players on the ice excited and, and, you know, the people that put a lot of work into it excited. So I think, you know, uh, at every week, once people see the product on the ice, we'll feel, start filling up. But obviously, you know, London, Ontario and Quebec City, uh, they're hockey cities. Uh, so I'm sure it's going to be popular and, and, you know, it's close to here from, from Montreal. So uh, those are the two cities. But starting in Vegas and finishing in Vegas, not that bad either. No, that's pretty good. Um, wanted to ask you where you think this is heading. Like, I think, you know, when we see the Stanley cup awarded in most of the time, early to mid June, there's a lot of time in the summer before, you know, the season gets going again. And it feels like there was a natural spot for hockey to be played, uh, especially on the weekends and something a little bit less formal, uh, with something like three ice, where do you see this product going in the next, you know, three to five years? I see it growing. Uh, I, I think it's going to be, you know, I, I think the project that we're going to put on the ice this summer, uh, obviously like, you know, 
few things happened. COVID, uh, you know, the season in Europe uh, had to be extended. So there's a few guys there that, you know, would love to come and play for us that didn't have that chance. I think in the future, we won't have those restrictions. Uh, I see, you know, it's like I said, it's nine weekends. Uh, it's no contact. I see a lot of the guys that finish their career in the NHL being 34, 35, 36, and 37, and jumping into our league in the summer just for the fun of it. And, and uh, you know, uh, hopefully keeps growing in, in Europe. Uh, I believe there that, that we, they can do the same thing there. Um, and I mean, possibilities is in, endless. Um, you know, I, I think you just got to enjoy those nine weekends and make the best of it. Well, speaking of fun, we wrap up all of our interviews with a little bit of rapid fire. You don't have to be long with your answers, but you do have to answer them. That is the one rule. Uh, so starting off with a little bit about your career, one word that best describes the emotions you feel the first time you lift the Stanley Cup. Uh, a lot of emotion, uh, you know, just because as a kid, you grow up and, and everybody's been playing outside or outdoor rink, you know, trying to play for the Stanley Cup and scoring a goal in the Stanley Cup. So I think that was, uh, and for the families, it's a lot of, a uh, lot of, uh, you know, traveling and things like that. So uh, a lot of emotion. Out of the 365 days of the year, how many of them are you wearing a Stanley Cup ring on your finger? Oh my God. Uh, probably 10 to 15 times. <laughs> of all the teammates you had in your playing career, which one would be the best three ice player? Mike Medano. Ah, that's a good one. Of all the, of all the players you coached in the NHL, if you could add one to your three ice roster right now in their current condition, who would you add? Coaching? Coach. Yeah, of, all the player, of all the players you coached in the NHL, oh, who would you add? Coach. Uh, Alex Kovalev. That's a good pick too. And uh, last one for you. When team Carboneau picks up a big win at three ice this summer, you head back to the hotel. What's going to be the celebratory drink of choice? Uh, Coors Light. Coors Light. Okay. And another solid answer. Run a solid answers. Guy, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. And uh, we're really excited to see what three ice has going on this summer. Can't wait either. Thank you. Her. Guy Carboneau, man. He's an absolute beauty. Uh, Frank, I got to, uh, I had dinner with uh, Guy. Uh, a few years ago, just a, a legend guy, great storyteller. And he was such a good junior hockey player, man. He was so skilled. He, he saw it every now and then, but he, he had to change his, his kind of his whole game when he got to Montreal. It's nuts how he did it. It's that's the hardest thing to do. I think for prospects that are trying to make it is talented guys who have always scored at every level, minor hockey, go through junior midget, triple a, whatever it is, college hockey. You've always been the best player on your team. All of a sudden you get to the NHL and you're full of all the other best players from every other team that you've ever played on. And someone has to play on the third line. Someone has to play on the fourth line. Who's going to do it. Who's willing to change their game and adapt. Um, and I think that's, you know, the guys that are willing to sacrifice some of the points that they used to put up are some of the guys that have the longest careers. Frank, uh, enjoy the extra day off. We'll get set for a uh, game two of the Stanley cup final. And uh, I will talk to you uh, next week. That was episode 138 of the uh, DFO rundown brought to you by three ice. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode delivered by DoorDash. Blah, 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 blah.
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.